Thank you, Phil. And uh, what a wonderful morning we have already had. And we just so enjoy uh, celebrating baptisms and hearing such a clear story of the impact of faith in the Lord Jesus in the life of Poppy. What a fabulous, fabulous expression of faith. It's brilliant. And this morning we're starting a new teaching series that's going to go on uh, for four weeks on the book of Ruth uh, in the Old Testament. So if you've got your Bibles with you, uh, you can dig that out and we'll be in chapter one. If your Bible's on your phone, that's fine. There's no judgment, but you're not also allowed to scroll through eBay and we will be checking on you. (laughs) That's a joke. Uh, The... This book is really fascinating because the the nation of Israel has been led out of Egypt and uh, and they're in the promised land. And uh, and now they're there and and they're trying to work out what it means to be there. What what does it mean to be surrounded by other tribes and other religions and other customs? What does it mean for them to be still set apart for God? They're they're, uh, they're getting mixed up in some of the things that were already happening uh, in the land. They're getting sort of mixed up in some of the ways of the people around them rather than following God with with everything. And God had said to them, you'll be in the land, you'll follow me and I'll bless you. But then there were times where they strayed from that and there was difficulty, there was strife and uh, they weren't under the same blessing. And it's in that kind of period that we find them in this book. Another couple of bits of context that are really important. The first one is that it was a very um, agricultural economy. So each uh, family uh, or clan would have had or tribe would have had their lands and, uh, and they, would have, uh, they would live off the fruit of the land, whether that was crops or livestock. Um, they were really reliant on the land where they were. So that's the second bit of context that's really important. And the third bit is the role of the family. Very, very important to be in family. This wasn't an environment where there's like a a welfare state like we understand it. Actually, people, especially if you were older, you were very reliant on your children to look after you. Uh, Being married was quite important to provide that kind of future security. So if you were older and on your own, that could be a very, very vulnerable place to be. So difficulties in the nation, the importance of agriculture, the role and the importance of family. Those are all building blocks that will help us to understand what's happening in the passage today. But let's start, shall we? Verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. So this starts right in at the deep end. They were going through a period of famine. They were going through a tough time. They were struggling to follow God and things keep on going wrong. And one of the ways that's expressed is that there's a problem with the food supply in the land. And so this one family makes the decision to travel about 50 miles away to a neighboring country where there was food. 
It says a man from Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem is automatically, I would imagine, going to trigger something for people who've uh, read their Bibles, people who've maybe been to a Christmas carol service. We always know there's significance when Bethlehem is involved. That's going to grab our attention. And the word Bethlehem in Hebrew literally means the house of bread. So the town that is named after provision, food, harvest, grain, bread, the house of bread is where there is famine. And so off they go. Economic migrants crossing the border, walking away from the promises of God to protect them, to provide for them in that place, taking it into their own hands in the search of food. That might sound a bit judgmental. Nobody can blame them for going in search of food. This place, Moab, next door, in some ways it was a bit of a grim place. Their local religion was, was all sorts of stuff that included human sacrifice and everything. So it's quite a dark place spiritually. It would have been somewhere completely foreign to them, totally alien to them. They really were kind of going into a totally different place. We live quite close to a border here. We're quite close to the border with Wales, aren't we? And, uh, and in the half term, I took my kids to, to Plas Maddock, to the swimming pool. And, uh, and we were driving along. And, uh, and you go, is it the River Dee that you cross? And then you get the big sign that says, welcome to Wales. And as you drive in to this other nation, uh, basically nothing changes at all whatsoever. Apart from the fact the road signs are a bit longer, because they're in Welsh as well. And... The local men are far better singers. And uh, that's, that's, about, that's about the change that you experience as we cross the border now. But go back a thousand years and crossing the same border, you'd be at risk of your life. You wouldn't understand the local people. They'd be speaking a different language. It would be very different to what it is now. So even though the border is local, it can be a huge change. It can be a huge shock of culture. Let's carry on in verse 2. And we get some fantastic Old Testament names here. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of the two sons were Marlon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. You can tell at this point by the name of the book is Ruth that that's going to be an important part of what we understand. After they'd lived there about 10 years, both Marlon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Remember what I've said about the importance of family in that culture, in that generation. This is where things go completely and totally and utterly pear-shaped. Naomi's husband dies. The two sons who've married local women they also die. This is a disaster for her, for her family, for her future, for her security. No welfare state, no old age 
pension in a foreign land, an absolutely tragic set of circumstances. They've taken it in their own hands. They've tried to fix things. They've tried to solve the problems that they were facing. But now they almost end up further away in a worse position than whenever they began. Have you ever had that moment in your life where you think, I think just one too many things have gone wrong now? Whether it's challenges or tragedies or both, It just becomes too much to bear. It's in that kind of dark place that we're there already, five verses in. But then the first beam of light comes into the situation as they get word that the famine back home is lifting and there is a harvest to come. So she thinks, well, at least if I go back home, I know that within the, uh, first of all, I'm in familiar surroundings. I can, I, I can go back to play, a place where I know. Um, but also I know that there's parts of the Jewish law that are there to look after people who are in difficulty, in need, like I am. And so they make the decision to go back home. But as they start walking, she says to these two local girls, her daughters-in-law, you can stay here if you want to. This is your land. Why, do, why don't you go and find yourself a local husband? Here, you don't need to come back with me. God bless you, but I think that you should stay here. Find a husband from your culture. And they push back a little bit and they say, no, no, we're, we're happy to go with you. But she says, no, I, I've got nothing. There, there's literally nothing for you to come home with me. I've got nothing to offer you. You should stay here. And so from the tragedy of what's happened, you then get the pain of separation as a family begins to be broken apart still further by the events of what's happened. But even in that dark situation, another ray of light shines into the darkness of this situation. And that ray of light is the response of this remarkable young woman, Ruth. And that's what we're going to pick up now as we read from verse 14. This is in the discussion about what to do uh, in the future. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. What a remarkable response of faith from Ruth. I don't know what the future holds, but I know that I'm coming with you. I'm going to put my faith in coming with you and in your God and in his provision in your land. I'm putting myself in the hands of you and your God. Not just her choosing to leave her home, her customs, not just sort of leaving geographically, but actually walking away from the old religion, the old way of doing things and saying, this God of yours, I'm going to follow. I'm going to take on board everything that you are and I'm coming with you. 
Not just you, Naomi, but, but your God in the land that he promised you. And this is a massive ray of light into the situation for Naomi because she's no longer alone and she's going back home with Ruth. Verse 19, so the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Can you imagine arriving back in town after a whole generation has passed with a foreign daughter-in-law, all the men of the family are no longer there. It creates quite a commotion, it creates quite a stir, the talk of the town. And the conversation, it's not exactly English small talk, is it? When you meet someone, when we have that conversation, How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. What about you? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm fine. Yeah. How's the family? Yeah, we're fine. What about you? Yeah, yeah, kids are fine. How's work? Yeah, yeah, it's going all right. What about you? Yeah, it's busy, but fine. You know, that kind of conversation, you must know what I'm talking about. We all have several of those every week, don't we? Well, imagine coming up to me and saying, hey, Dave, nice to see you. How are you doing? And I say, don't call me Dave anymore call me bitter because of everything that has gone wrong for me. I mean, that'd be a bit awkward in a dinner party, wouldn't it? You wouldn't quite know how to pick it back up. I'll tell you what, though, there there have been a couple of moments in my life where I could have probably answered the question in that way. But what a, a, like a desolate place Naomi must have been in her emotions to kind of reply like that and almost like my name isn't even right anymore I, I, I need to be named something that reflects the, the, the anguish of the situation that I find myself in and then right at the end of the chapter the third ray of light comes into the darkness of the situation just in a quick verse that you can almost skip over the barley harvest is starting. She's got no idea how significant this is and neither do we and I'm not going to tell you that because if I do that's going to steal the thunder of a future talk but even in the details of the story there's another ray of light into the darkness of the situation. There is food in the land, there is a harvest coming and there's a broken-hearted woman Someone who's taken just, just one too many hits. All the human plans have gone wrong. All the hopes and dreams are down the toilet. She's just gutted. But when the dark clouds are circling and the difficulties of the situation are so apparent, there are still these, these shafts of light coming into the darkness. Something is stirring. God is moving 
in little ways. And we're soon going to see the hand of God change the future of their family forever in quite remarkable ways and turn the whole thing on its head. And that's all to come. That's why we had to do the whole series. This isn't a one-off talk. But we do need to stop at this point in the story because it's really important to understand how difficult it was so that God gets all of the glory for how amazingly he changes and turns around the entire situation. I love this book as well because it's just so honest. It's just so honest. I'm not saying it's necessarily cheery at this point, but it's just so honest because this world that we inhabit can be so completely and utterly brutal. Tragedy strikes. Things happen. Sometimes things we expect, sometimes out of the blue. And it can just be really so very, very tough. I think back to the, like for me and for my family, the circumstances of uh, my dad's sudden death in an accident. Just completely out of the blue, untimely, no, no rhyme nor reason to it in many ways. Just suddenly this darkness overshadowed our family out of nowhere. But when you take a step back and you look at the circumstances and you see what was happening there are still shafts of light as we look at the dark situations. God is still at work in the hard times. Sometimes God is at work through the hard times. And that's what we're going to find out as we study this book together. In these hard times, God is going to work to make things much better for Ruth and Naomi. And then, and then through these hard times... Through these dark circumstances, God's got a plan to bless not just them, but the entire nation. From this house of bread, which sounded a little bit hollow at the beginning of the passage because there was no food, but from this house of bread, one day the bread of life would come. We started in this dark time for the nation and... Uh, and, 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 and the light of God being at work will start to glimmer in the life of this family. And that's going to become a blessing for the whole nation. The light of the world is coming. Where it's dark and there's hunger, the bread of life, the light of the world. But now we're here with dear Naomi. Her husband's dead. Her two sons are dead. One daughter-in-law's gone. Only Ruth remains. It's a really tough situation for her to be in. And we're going to see how God moves and transforms everything. A couple of weeks ago, 29th of May, uh, Christine came up and shared a prophetic word and I'm going to read it for you now, and I'm going to read it word for word so you can hear exactly what was shared. This is a season of character building. Many of us are praying for freedom or deliverance from difficult or trying circumstances and situations. However, God is taking us on a journey. 
He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber or sleep. That's from Psalm 121 verse 3. The Lord will deliver you through, not around. Some things cannot be avoided, but he will lead you and enable you. Trust in God. Don't look to the left or the right for relief. Look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. It may seem like hard graft, but God is with you. He will not leave you alone, but he will work with you. Ask him to show you the gems in dark places. God is at work. He will be glorified no matter what season you are walking through. I've described the gems as shafts of light in the dark situation. It's like looking for uh, when, when there's a mine and there's, there's all the mud and there's all the broken rock and you can still find gemstones within it. That's what our lives are like sometimes. It feels like that, that sort of coal face, that, that mine picture, but there's still gems of what God is doing in the circumstances. And then she read from Isaiah 43 from verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. (coughs) And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. It felt like that prophetic encouragement and that word was almost like uh, preparing the ground, like plowing the field for where we're going in the talk today and also where this series is going to lead us to. God walking us through incredibly difficult circumstances, but he's speaking to us and scripture is speaking to us. So I want to make an appeal uh, this morning really, an encouragement to anyone who feels that they're in a difficult place, a place of challenge, a place of trial. It doesn't have to be as crazy as what happened to Naomi. I I pray no one has to face that. But if it feels dark at the moment, or you know people around you where it's dark for them and you're wondering how to support them, what can we learn from, from this sort of scripture? What can we glean today that's going to really help us. Well, the first thing I want to talk about is that Naomi must have felt incredibly alone. She must have felt really isolated. And I'd like you to now take a look around this room. Sit up a bit straighter. I want to see some heads move. You can't look at other people without moving your head. Those of you on Zoom, have a scroll through the other screens. God has put you in an incredibly diverse and vibrant church family with all sorts of people, personalities, gifts and experiences so that you don't have to be alone, so that you don't have to face the circumstances on your own. Secondly, Naomi was really honest about her emotions. They said, Naomi, she didn't say, I'm fine. She said, I'm bitter because of what's, God, what, what, what's happened. And this gives us such a permission to be real. Naomi didn't say, I know the joy of the Lord is my strength, but I, I found it quite hard, which is true. It is her strength, and that's okay. But she could be real about how she actually felt about the difficulties that she was facing. So there's an honesty to it as well. 
that we can, not only are we in community, we don't have to be alone, but we also don't have to fake it. We can be real about how we feel. And then thirdly, it did look bleak. In human terms, her life was really, that was going to be difficult from then on. But in the details are the signs that God is working whether we call them shafts of light in the darkness or gems in the mud as we're digging, however we describe them, God is still at work and they point to a moment in the future. And they walk forward in faith and they see a a redemption and a rescue that is just quite incredible and that's coming up in a future talk. So even if you're in that place of difficulty, I want to really encourage you through this scripture, that God is with you, he's leading you through it, and he's put you in a family that we can walk this through together. And if you're here this morning, and maybe you've never made that sort of step of deciding to follow Jesus and to become a Christian, maybe uh, you're, you're interested in finding out more. This is a really honest piece of the Bible because it shows that we're not offering some magic cure of the difficulties of life. We're not, um, you know, offering you some sort of like uh, one-stop route to everything being shiny and rosy. No, we're saying this life is real. Sometimes it's really amazing and sometimes it really hurts. And actually, Jesus came and lived Uh, amongst us he experienced all of the emotions that we do and he's actually made us through his death and resurrection he's made us a way back to be in relationship with God and the bread of life is coming if the spiritual hunger the bread of life is coming if if there's darkness in life the light of the world is coming the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to see in the coming weeks how that's woven into the story of Naomi and Ruth but if you're here this morning and you want to know a little bit more can I uh, just repeat the offer of this booklet why Jesus if you're watching this on YouTube or on Zoom and you want a copy get in touch with the church office the best way we can encourage you and show our love and our kindness towards you is to explain to you fully why the Lord Jesus will change everything in your life. Sometimes the circumstances don't change and yet everything changes because of Jesus. And I'll finish by just quoting back to you something that Poppy said when she shared her testimony. And she said, uh, the feelings of being overwhelmed, something like the feelings of being overwhelmed went away as I grew in my faith in Jesus. And that's something that we want for each and every person here today, for those you know and love, the good news of the Lord Jesus changing everything in your life.